Hello and welcome to City Life. We are so honored to have you for today's broadcast. Our prayer is that the word ministers to your heart and the worship uplifts your spirits. Before we go into the sanctuary, I would like to invite you to be our guest at City Life. We have three dynamic worship experiences every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. And our midweek services on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We have something for the entire family. Our children's ministry is over the top, and our middle school and high school ministry is full of life giving community. Now as we head into the sanctuary, allow the word to challenge and change your life. Be blessed. If I lived anywhere close to this church, I don't know why everybody's not here. This is great. It's just wonderful to be here. And I appreciate so much the leadership here, your pastors, Tony and Casey Stewart. I believe in them, their heart. You know, things like this just do not happen. Starts at the head and flows down. And God has blessed them and their vision and, uh, and the leadership team that they have assembled. The new campus is coming. I'm telling you, the latter is going to be greater than the former. It's just going to get better and better and better for his holy name's sake. And it's just an honor to, to get a call and uh, to, be able, to be able to come. It's a real privilege to be here. So I want to share a, a passage of Scripture with you today if you have your Bible, if you're, you have gray hair, your Bible. If not, your iPhone, your iPad. If you have none of that, just look at the screen. And we're going to read together. And I want to share with you something that the Lord taught me several years ago that I have not felt at liberty to share until this particular point and come in this week. But I want to talk to you about this story for just a few moments. And I'm in, under strict orders now to make this quick. To make it eternal without being everlasting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. you'll get that one. Job 42, verse 16. Now, after this, and that's where I'm going today, it's those two key words, after this. Job lived 140 years. That would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'll take that. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so then verse 17, and Job died an old man and full of days. In verse 16, after this. Now, Lord, we love you today. Thank you for the privilege of worship. You have so saturated us all day long. Thank you for the music that has ushered us into your presence today. Not only done with excellence, but done with anointing and spirit. And I pray you would touch us in these next few moments. Let your word be strong. Let it accomplish the purpose for which it is spoken. And we'll give you praise for it's in Christ's name. I remember the first time that I felt the supernatural power of God touch my life. I was a little boy and I was sick. I don't even know really what the illness was. But my mom had had cooked something for me, but I was so sick I couldn't get out of bed and go eat. And uh, they called a friend that my dad would evangelize with back in those days. And they called him over and they were going to gather around and pray for me. And they did that. And when they prayed for me, God touched me and healed me. And I got up out of the bed. I went into the kitchen. I was able to eat. And and that particular illness did not bother me anymore. You know, when the, the Spirit of God touches you in a supernatural way, you never forget it. You can never get away from that. Other times in my adult life, finding myself in a critical crisis moment, 
to go to my place of prayer, to go to my closet and just begin to pour out to the Lord. And and the Lord knew what I needed before I got there. And to have God, I've had him at times in my life instantaneously bring the answer. And no doubt, if, if we were to go around this congregation this afternoon, there are many of you could stand and you remember times when God did that very same thing for you, that he answered prayer. And I'm glad today that I serve a God that I know answers prayer. God hears and answers prayer. And it's easy in that kind of environment. You know, we like those kind of testimonies. We like to read about them. We like to watch it on television. And it's easy when God does that kind of thing for us to start praying prayers like, Oh, God, yes, enlarge my territory. Enlarge my borders. I want more of you, and I want more of your anointing in my life. Do more than you've ever done before, only to get out the door, and it seems like all hell breaks loose. It just, man, wham, where did that come from? Run back to your place of prayer. Whoa, hey, time out. Maybe you misunderstood what I said. I said I wanted more of you. I wanted more of your power, more of your glory. So let's give this another try, only to walk back out and get hit by the same thing. You see, sometimes what God has to do, brothers and sisters, he has to enlarge our capacity to hold what he wants to give us. It's an amazing thing to me. If you ever go to lunch with a millionaire, you ever done that? They're not going to pick up the tab. Just let me go ahead and tell you right now. They are going to split the tab with you and the tip right down to the penny. Why? Because they appreciate work. They understand what value means. And sometimes God has to let us work. He has to teach our hands to war. He has to let us walk through some stuff that we might appreciate him and appreciate the word of God and that it becomes real in our life. I'll give an example. There was a man several years ago who, who was associated with our denomination. And at that time, he won what was the largest uh, lottery in the history of the United States. About $176 million this guy wins. That's a lot of cash. And so I remember being in Cleveland, Tennessee, our association headquarters. And so people began to talk, leaders began to talk What are we going to do with the tithe money that that guy's going to give? Money's always an issue. And so they were talking about it. And so two schools of of thinking came. And I love a good religious argument in the church because everybody brings their scripture. And so on one side, one group was saying, don't touch the unclean thing. If you touch that money, that money is cursed. It comes through an ungodly manner. And if we touch that, we're going to be cursed. On the other side, the defense team. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Bring it on, baby. Well, we go to this event that Pastor Mike was talking about in Knoxville, Tennessee. There's about 20,000 students that are there. I give them an opportunity to give them the offering to give to an inner city uh, project that we're working on somewhere across the country. And so they get back to the office the next week and they're counting the money. And so with teenagers, you get a lot of coins, you get a lot of folded up dollar bills, you get them folded up like the little football things, you know, that you flip and 
It takes forever to count the money. But one came running down the hall, and he had a check. Now, that was unusual to have a check from a teenager, number one. And number two, it was for $10,000. Yeah. And so I looked to see who the check was from, and it was from the wife of the man who had won the lottery. And she was sitting in the arena that night. She wrote a check for $10,000 to give to that project. So you may be wondering now, well, we cashed that check by 2 o'clock that afternoon (laughs) in the bank. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was real good. But as the story always goes, Watch the documentary of somebody who wins the lottery. Virtually every one of those people who do that, they will end up losing the money and being worse off. I saw a documentary on the man that I'm talking about. He wound up losing. He gave his granddaughter all kinds of money. He bought her cars. She overdosed on drugs and lost her life. He was beaten up carrying around cash he should have never carried. He divorced his wife. And in the end of it, she said these words on the documentary. This is the worst thing that ever happened to us. Why? Because there was no capacity to hold what they had been given. They had never worked for the money. And there may be some of you that are sitting in here today, you're wondering where God is and what is going on and why he hasn't come to your rest, why he hasn't answered your prayer. It could be, men and women, that you are in the process that God is enlarging your territory, enlarging your capacity, and when you walk through some stuff and prove the word of God. He is going to pour into you the greatest blessing and the greatest touch and the greatest anointing of God that you've ever experienced in your life. Yes. You see, I just come by to tell you this, that there is an after this. And you'll say, like David said, you cause men to ride over our heads. You laid affliction on our back, but you have brought me out into a wealthy place. You brought me out into a large place that I would never have been had I not walked where you caused me to walk. But see, here's what has to happen. In our culture, we're instantaneous people. God has to put us many times through a process. We just think he's just a genie in a bottle. He's just microwavable popcorn. But what he has to do is to put us through a process. Now, tomorrow, right down the road down here, the Yankees begin spring training. I always love spring training. You know, down here, it's been 80 degrees this week. My goodness, Pastor Tony's coming back here, and I do not blame him. But just as soon as I finish, I got to get on a plane and go back the other way where it's cold. Just to get, but but tomorrow spring training starts, and I always love that because I know summer is nigh. It's going to be warm up in the north. So what happens is tomorrow the Yankees are going to be there, Aaron Judge, all the players. That's not going to be such a big deal to them. They know they're on the team. It's more about stretching, getting in shape. You want to see pressure going down a little bit more to the player development area where those people are trying to make the team. But if you really want to see pressure, go to a Little League t-ball game. Been there, done it. And here's what happens. Opening day, they've gotten their picture made. The guys have got their uniforms on. It is a great day. The stands are packed with daddies, mamas, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, cousins. They've come to see Aaron Judge Jr. play. And so they put the ball on the tee, and here he goes. He's standing up there, and he just whack. 
and hits it. And man, he hits more than likely a ground ball that will go through everybody all the way to the fence. And mamas and daddies are screaming. They're going crazy. That's my boy. Only to see the batter run to third base. Yeah. He doesn't care. I mean, blood pressure medicine, there's not enough to take care of daddies and mamas at that point. They're going crazy. But he gets it. He gets it. So the object is to get to home plate. So why do we need to go to first or second? He's already got it figured out. Let's just start at third. That's a closer way here. And sometimes that's exactly the way we do with the Lord. We want to avoid the process. We don't want to step on first base. We don't want the basics. We want all the glory. We want all the praise. We want the anointing. And God says, no, you're not going to third base until you step on first base and step on second base until you grow in me. Then I'll pour out something on you. In this particular passage of Scripture, here's what I've learned about the process. Two things. Number one is this. It's not about us. Now, that's first base. And you will never get to second or third base until you understand that it is not about you. It is about God. It is His kingdom. It is his glory. Man, when I drove on the grounds today, the music was blasting over the loudspeaker. It was filling the territory with praise. I come in the back, and, and they were helping, and it's such a blessing. All the armor bears and all of that. And if I'm not careful, I start thinking, hey, this must be pretty good. I'm, hey, this is okay. I'm at City Light. It is not about me. It's not about me. And it's not about you. The wonderful music that we had here all day today. I mean, you come in here maybe one Sunday, Pastor Casey doesn't exactly sing the song that you like, and you think, hmm, well, I didn't like that today. Let me tell you something. None of this around here is about you. It is about our God. It is about His glory. It is about praising Him. That's what you were created to do, to praise the Lord. And so it's about the kingdom of God. And so one day, Satan presents himself before God in this story. And God says to him, where have you been? He said, roaming to and fro throughout all the earth. And God says to Satan, have you thought about Job? And the Bible says there was a man named Job. This is not a fiction story. This is real story. And Satan says, yeah, I thought about him, but you, you placed a hedge about him. I cannot get to him. And the Bible says about Job, he had 10 kids. God bless him with 10 kids. That's, that, that takes grace right there. I can tell you that. Ten ki- but he was rich. He had a great stock portfolio. Everything was, and the Bible says about him, he was a perfect man. The greatest man in all of the East. And the Bible says that God says to him, have you thought about him? Sure, I've thought about him, but there's a hedge around about him. Take the hedge off and he will curse you. And God says to Satan, all that he has is in your hand, but do not touch him. And so one beautiful sunny morning, the sun comes up in the east like it did. And I can just see Job and his wife getting up. It's going to be a great day. They have a cup of Starbucks coffee, maybe a caramel macchiato. And hey, come on, go with me here just a little bit caramel macchiato. It's going to be a great day. Maybe they're going to get out some jet skis a little later on in the day and have a great time. And when messengers come running into him, it's Job. Something has happened. 
The cattle, raiders have come down. They've stolen all the cattle. They're gone. Before they can get out of the room, messengers come in. Job, we've had a tornado. You have lost all your children. All ten children are dead. Now, we've heard this week, and we've watched on the news the horrible things that just happened in Fort Lauderdale. And there are times I've, I've heard those moms just talk about, and my heart just breaks. And I'm thinking about my own children and grandchildren and thinking, man, I, and I try to go there just a little bit, but I can't because I have never been there. We can't imagine the grief. But Job, that afternoon, he and his wife are standing over the grave of not one, but all Ten of their children. And no doubt Satan thought, well, that'll do it. He'll curse you now. But what did Job do in the middle of that? He did not curse God, but he began to bless the Lord. He said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, here is point number one. In the middle of difficulty, the enlargement process begins with praise to the Lord. If you want the enemy to leave you alone, you begin to praise him. You begin to give him glory for where you are today. The enemy hates a praiser. That's what we were created to do. I wasn't created to stand up here and do this. I was created to lift up my voice and to lift up my hands and give God praise and give God glory. And when you do that, the enemy will back away from you. Come on, put your hands together this afternoon. But here's what I found. The enemy doesn't give up easily. Have you ever noticed that trouble seems to come in waves? There's a reason for this. The enemy has watched you. He has studied you carefully. And what he wants to do is pile it all at one time so that you give up. So that he can talk to you and tell you that God does not love you. That he does not care for you. And the Bible says Satan goes back and presents himself to God. Have you thought about Job? And Satan says, yeah, I thought about him, even though you incited me against him. God allowed the trouble to come to Job. Even though you did that, he did not curse you. But if you'll let me touch him, let me touch Job himself, he will curse you. And God says, all that he has is in your hands, but do not touch his life. Brothers, Sisters, it is never over till God says it's over. There is a line the enemy cannot cross. Don't ever give up. Whatever you're going through today, let me tell you something. The enemy will tell you there is no hope. It's been too long. It is too deep. Nothing will ever change. The devil is a liar. It is never over till God says it is over. And so the Bible says, you know, that Job is stricken with boils from the top of his head to the sole of it. The grief of Job was so great. He's sitting in an ash heap. There he sits. And then the Bible says he's sitting there and his friends come to visit him. Got any friends? I've sat there like that wondering what in the world is going on. And the Bible says they came and they sat with him. They didn't even recognize him, number one. They knew him, but his grief was so great that they couldn't even recognize him. And they sat with him for seven days, and nobody said a word. Have you been there with friends? I have. I prayed. I've been to that time where I have prayed, and I've gone, what do you do after 21 days? When you fast and pray and wonder where God is. When you walk the floor, and you quote the scriptures that you know. 
Anybody says to this mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and doubt not in his heart, to him it will be done. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father would be glorified in the Son. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done. I've done that. Fasting and prayed for 21 days. But what do you do when you do that like we did and God doesn't come? And then you find yourself in the same room, the same closet where you walk for days asking for God to move and nothing happened. And you just sit there and you're just wondering, God, where are you? You can't open your mouth to even pray. You can't do anything but just groan. There's a groaning. The, the book of Romans talks about, talks about groaning of the Spirit. There's a groaning that comes out. He knows your groan. He knows the feelings of your groans. And he knows and he understands those. But I've had friends come to me during those times and, and they would go, they meant well, but they would say, what have you done? What's wrong? Did you open yourself up to attack and you allow the enemy to come in? And you know what I wanted to say to them? Please be quiet. And that's real nice for shut up. I don't want to hear what you've got to say. The Bible said Job had done nothing. He was a perfect man. He's there because God had confidence in his life and in his faith in him. But here's the climactic part of the story. And then Job's wife comes in to utter those words we all know. Now, I'm not here just to berate her at all. I think we've just, I think we've knocked her in the head way too many times. Because let's consider this thing from her perspective. She's a mother. She stood with Job over the grave of her ten children. The children that she gave birth to that, that kicked in her womb. And she knew every vocal inflection of their voice. She knew when they were sick, she could still identify their voice if they had a sore throat. She knew everything about him. And she's standing over the grave feeling things that Job, no way that he could enter in and feel what she felt. She lost the status in the community. They lost their wealth. They lost their influence. Nobody wanted to be around them anymore. And she lost one more thing that she could no longer have the companionship with her companion that they experienced every day. And so she looks at all of this and the enemy incites her and she just looks at it and says, Job, look around, man. We had all of this. We had children. We had money. We had status. We had everything. Now look at us. Why don't you curse him and just die and be out of our misery? Brothers and sisters, that was what the whole situation was crafted for, was for Job to curse God, for Job just to say, I don't believe him anymore. I'm not going to live for him anymore. I didn't belong in this place. I didn't do anything to be in this place. And brothers and sisters, this is the place where the enemy will keep many of you as you go in life. Things are going to come. Difficulty is going to happen. And the enemy would love to just keep you with your mouth shut. The enemy would love to keep you living in the bitterness of 
yesterday, of somebody that wrongs you. And there are days when you sit, and you will sit there, and he will keep you there unless you come to the time like I did in my life when I just had to get to that point where I said, God, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why you didn't come when I wanted you to come, but you are still God. I worship you. I love you. I know that all things are working together for my good, and somehow you will turn this around and your glory will be revealed in my life. You have to do that. You have to trust him in the middle of it. The second part of this is this. One, it's not about us. Second principle is this. Waiting, W-A-I-T-I-N-G. Waiting brings purification. When they would harvest the olives that would make the anointing oil that would be poured on the priests and the furniture in the tabernacle. And I'm circling for a landing. Hang on. They would get the olives. The only way to get the olives. The, the other ingredients came from another region. But the olives came from Israel. And they would have to go out and shake the tree or beat the tree. And then they would get the olives and bring it in and put it on a rock cistern. And they would crush the olives to get the oil. Oh, we want blessing, and we want anointing. And it's easy to stand with the praise team and sing, favor, oh yeah, favor. It's easy to get going. Oh, we love all of that, but don't crush us. I don't want to be crushed. But let me tell you where the greater dimension of God's glory comes. It comes when we are crushed of our ambitions and our desires so that the glory of God can be revealed in us and through us. And so what they would do with those olives before they mixed them, they would crush them, but they wouldn't run over and scoop them up right then. They would have to let the impurities of the olives fall to the bottom. So a period of time would go by until the impurities would go down. After I got up from my place where I decided I was going to live for the Lord anyway, here's what I would do. I'd go back to my place of prayer. And the Holy Spirit would begin to search my heart to the impurities of my own heart, the people who said things about me, the people who tried to destroy me, really. Destroy my ministry. Just, you know, hatred stuff that should not come out of believers. And what the Holy Spirit would do, the Holy Spirit would just prompt them in my heart. And instead of holding a grudge, the Holy Spirit would say, hey, what about this? And what I found myself doing at that same place, I'd ask him to come and help me and to touch me. I begin to pray, Lord, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would bless their children. What the Holy Spirit would do would take the bitterness of my own heart of yesterday and say, release it. Let it go. It's over. There's a new dimension. There's a fresh anointing. There's something better for you. But you have to let yesterday go. Let it go. 
And so when they would reach over, when they would use the oil, was when the master would look into the oil and see his reflection. You see, that's when deliverance comes. What he's been doing over here is, is stretching your capacity. But what he does over here when he takes you through it is he reaches in with fresh oil and takes the ingredients and pours it. And there's a new and a fresh anointing that comes on the people of God. And when that happens, when they would pour it on the head of the priest, there was a fragrance that would be emitted from their life. It was a sweetness. And when they would perform their duties, when they would walk through the streets, people would smell the fragrance of the anointing of God upon their life. And brothers and sisters, what he wants to do is he wants to release a fresh anointing in your life that you let go of the bitterness and the disaster of yesterday, but into a new and fresh anointing that when you walk out the door, there is a fragrance that crowns your life. When you're in the Tampa Bay area, there is an attraction to your life. And what is it? It is the grace of God. It is the grace of Jesus Christ that is upon your life. passage of scripture 1st Corinthians chapter 2 one of my favorite verses of scripture it says now we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory even before time began this is the verse I love right here which none of the rulers of this age understood what that word understood means revelation they didn't have a revelation of, what, of the mystery of God. For if they had, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, Satan is not omniscient. He's not omniscient. He cannot see the future. You get up in the middle of the night, you can't sleep. You're channel surfing. There'll be somebody on there, and they'll be supposedly telling the future. <laughs> It's on purpose that it's in the middle of the night because that's when people are distressed, when they can't sleep about their life. And they get up and there's a guy and he'll start calling things out and the knowledge will be correct. But it's only knowledge about what is going on right now. Now, where does that come from? From the familiar demonic spirits that do have knowledge of what is going on in the present. But what you will never, ever hear them talking about is what's going to happen in the future because the enemy does not have knowledge about what's going on in the future. Because what Paul was talking about, he said, if the rulers had known it, if they had known when they whipped Jesus that we were being healed, he never would have done it. If he'd understood when he placed him on the cross that he was taking the sin of the world and destroying principalities and powers making a show of the enemy openly he never would have done it if he'd known when he placed him in a tomb he was going to come out with the keys of death hell and the grave he never would have done it if the enemy had known years ago when he came to my house to destroy my family that I would be standing up here today telling you that there is an after this he never would have done it I just come by to tell you today that there is an after this in your life. You will live. You will be victorious. There will be a fresh anointing in your life. Let yesterday go. Let the bitterness go. Walk into the freshness of the power of God. Stand up on your feet right now, please. Everybody stand up right now. Come on. 
you're comfortable, lift up your hands and give God praise. Just speak praise to him right now all over the house. Jesus, we thank you today. We thank you today. We thank you today. I don't know, but I feel the Holy Spirit every head bowed, every eye closed. I, I, I just sense the Holy Spirit talking to me about yesterday and the bitterness of yesterday. I haven't talked about that in the first two. But I hear it in this service. The Holy Spirit is just saying, let, there are people here that need to let go of yesterday. You need to let go of the hurts of yesterday. And what I hear the Holy Spirit is saying, let go of it and walk into a new and fresh anointing with me. There is a wealthy place for you in Him. Wealthy meaning the peace of God, the, the glory of God, the, the supplying of your needs. That, that is what he is saying here. But in order to do that, you have to release yesterday. You have to release everybody who wrongs you. Vengeance is not yours. It is the Lord's. He will take care of it. And right now, you say with me, there is hurt from yesterday. There's bitterness from yesterday that I haven't been able to release. Would you just raise your hand right now as a testimony to the Spirit of God and the power of God that is working in this place? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, the Bible says that when Job prayed for his friends, that God restored to him everything that he had lost. He restored double upon him all that he had lost. He got it back. You say, why did that happen? I say it happens because in the middle of that affliction and conflict, he never cursed God. He never gave up. Oh, they, he questioned. Everybody does that. Where are you? What happened? Why? We all do that. But he never cursed God in the middle of it. Here's what you have to do to let go of bitterness. You have to give birth to two sons. Joseph was wrongly accused, found himself in the middle of prison. But after he got out of that, he had sons. The first son he had was Manasseh. He named him Manasseh because what he said was, God has made me forget all of my trouble. What he was saying, God has made me forget my past, the prison, the auction block, the slave block. He's made me forget. Did Job mentally forget? I mean, did, did Joseph mentally forget it? No. But what he was saying was, I remember it with my mind, but it doesn't hurt anymore. Only God can do that. And then there's Ephraim. He named him Ephraim because he said, God has made me prosperous in the land of my affliction. In the very place that I was afflicted, God has brought me out to a wealthy place. Brothers and sisters, you can be in the middle of hell, but the blessings of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, the anointing of God can be stronger in your life than you ever experienced or ever dreamed. This morning, this afternoon, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about letting go of yesterday. Well, there is, the Holy Spirit has quickened you about a situation here today. 
that you're ready to move back into warfare in the name of the Lord and and receive healing in your life. While they sing, I want you to get out of your seat and come and stand right now. I want to have a closing prayer with you. Come on, the king's business requires haste. Come on, just get out of your seat and come and stand. In Jesus' name, there are two things I want to do. The two steps that I want you to do here, and more importantly, when you leave here today. Number one is this. I believe in decreeing and declaring. The word declare means to make something known. And what you have to do in this walk with the Lord and in this spiritual struggle that we are in, you have to declare to the enemy some things. You have to let him know some things. You have to let him know that you know that you're a child of God. That you belong to him. Come on. Oh, yeah. If you don't let him know that, he will kick you around like a beach ball in a tropical storm. But the minute that you let him know, I'm a child of the Most High God. I belong to him. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And I will praise him right here in the middle of this. When you do that, the enemy will begin to back off away from you. Declare those kind of things. Well, what are we declaring? We are declaring the decrees of God. We are declaring the Lordship of Jesus. Every day I would get up, I would say, I declare the Lordship of Jesus over my house. I declare the Lordship of Jesus over my children. I declare the Lordship of Jesus over my finances, over my grandchildren. And you just keep decreeing the word of the Lord. I declare that I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. I decree that every cell, every muscle in my body, every fiber, everything comes into alignment with the word of God that says I I am healed. You keep declaring. You keep decreeing the word of the Lord. There's power in the word of the Lord. But here's what happens. I believe in intercessors. I believe in that. But some things are never going to move till you speak to it. Your mountain knows your voice. And maybe the next time we'll talk about authority. Because what I believe is missing in the body of Christ today, it's not more power. I believe all the power that is ever going to be released has been released. The power of the Word, the blood of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit in us. I believe what is missing is the believers taking spiritual authority over who we are, what we have in Jesus Christ. So you have to speak it. You have to declare it. Your mountain knows your voice. It knows your voice. So when we get out of here, it feels good in here right now. Tomorrow morning when you get up and the anointing is not what it is, you get up and you start decreeing and start declaring. Get up and put the praise songs on in the morning and set the atmosphere. Put it on tomorrow morning. Take off all the garbage that we're going to listen to and put yourself in the presence of God. Talk to God. Thank Him for His blessings. Thank Him for His goodness. And the devil will get out of your car on the way to work. I'll guarantee you that. You have to set the atmosphere. Come on, lift your hands now. Let's pray. Come on, lift your hands. Begin to speak it out. Come on. You begin to speak out right now. Speak praise to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I worship you today. We lift up your name. I don't understand what is going on in my life. 
but I know nothing is going on today that hasn't been processed through your hands. I surrender my life to you. I give my heart to you today. Lord, if I have wronged you, if, if I'm in this because of a bad decision that I have made, I ask you to forgive me, wash me clean by your blood. And now I release the past. The past is in the past. Lord, your blood has covered the past. And I release everybody who wronged me. I release the bitterness that is in my heart and in my life today because of the past. Because, Lord, I'm walking into a new and a fresh door. I'm walking into a new anointing. I'm walking into a new season with you. And I believe that the latter is going to be greater than the former. You're going to take me to a wealthy place. Take me to a prosperous place in your holy name. I thank you for it today. Come on, give him praise. Come on, speak your praise. Come on, speak it together. Here's what the Lord will do. He will take whatever the enemy has tried to kill you with. He will take it out of his hands and put it in your hand and turn around and beat the kingdom of the devil with it. He'll kill him with it, and you will be the testimony of his grace. Give me praise in the house. Thank you for joining us for today's broadcast. Our prayers that administered to and challenged your life. If there is anything we can pray with you about or you have a testimony that you would like to share with us, please send us an email at info at citylifechurch.cc. Again, we invite you to be our guest at one of our three Sunday morning worship experiences, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 12.30 p.m., and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Also, you can watch our services live on our internet campus by going to citylifechurch.cc or by downloading the City Life app on your smartphones and tablets. It was great having you join us today, and we'll see you next time.